Welcome to the worship podcast of Grace Episcopal Church in Newton Corner, Massachusetts for Sunday, September 13th, 2020. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector of Grace Church. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are welcome to take a seat in the virtual pew we've created here. We are at a moment of decision in terms of Grace Church's historic bell tower, but it's not our decision. We are anticipating the vote on Tuesday of the Newton Community Preservation Committee on our application for funds to preserve the tower. We can't save the tower without these preservation funds. If you are a Newton resident, please go to gracenewtontower.com where you can sign a petition to show your support for this project. I know some of you listening are part of what I call the Grace Diaspora, So if you are listening from afar and you haven't already done so, please send this link to friends in Newton and ask them to sign as well. Support Beyond the Grace community is really crucial for this project. Please keep the CPC meeting in your prayers this week. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. Realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers said, What if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong that we did to him? So they approached Joseph, saying, Your father gave this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now, therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him, and said, We are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins and heals all your infirmities. He redeems your life from the grave and crowns you with mercy and loving kindness. He satisfies you with good things and your youth is renewed like an righteousness and judgment for all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses and his works to the children of Israel. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger and of great kindness. He will not always accuse us, nor will he keep his 
reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 14, verse 1 through 12. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. Also those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God, while those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will be accountable to God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. No saint on earth lives life to self alone, or dies alone, for we with Christ are one. So if we
the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. But out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported their lord to their lord all that had taken place. Then his lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger his lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When I was a teenager growing up in the Evangelical Church in New Jersey, we had a pastor who was known for his erudite preaching. All these years later, I don't remember the particular content of any of his sermons, but I do remember three things about his preaching. First, the way he made this specific gesture with his hands to make a point, sort of a double karate chop. Also, the way he pronounced the word God, which made it three syllables long and that he had certain favorite vocabulary words, which appeared again and again in his sermons. This was a church where, if you were very pious, you took notes on the pastor's sermon. As I recall, I did this while simultaneously sitting up in the balcony and goofing off with my friends. I also kept a special scorecard in my Bible with a list of the pastor's favorite words and how often he used them. Of these choice words, his very favorite word of all was undergird. I'm thinking of this pastor because the word undergird is making an appearance in my own sermon today. You may have noticed the theme of conflict and forgiveness in today's lessons and gospel. And I've realized that I don't want to talk so much about forgiveness as about what qualities, values, and principles undergird forgiveness. The lectionary hits us with a big forgiveness Sunday about once a year. 
Forgiveness is a cornerstone of our faith as Christians. There it is, right smack in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. And here's Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew saying that we should forgive the same person 77 times. Peter was hoping to establish an outer limit on forgiveness of less than 10. But Jesus' point is, there is no outer limit on God's mercy to us, so there should not be an outer limit on our mercy to others. Forgiveness is hard. Human relationships are complex. There are so many different ways for human beings to wound each other. But we really have only two tools at our disposal in order to make things right. Authentic and sincere apology and forgiveness. One of the difficulties with forgiveness, which coincidentally is also the difficulty with apology, is that they are behaviors which an individual can really only do from a place of inner strength. You need serious spiritual conditioning in order to truly and lastingly forgive someone for a wrong that they've done to you. It's like you can't just bench press 100 pounds if you've only been working out with the five pound weights. And forgiveness is spiritual heavy lifting. So what is it that undergirds forgiveness? What is the spiritual foundation that supports this difficult but necessary keystone of our faith? I did a lot of reading over my summer sabbatical, and one of the books that I read or reread was Stephen Covey's classic, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This is one of my dad's favorite books, which he passed on to me. It's marketed as a business book, but it's really a life book. And since Stephen Covey was writing out of his own deep faith, it is very compatible with a spiritual worldview. Covey wrote his book after doing a huge survey of 200 years of American self-help and success literature. And he realized that whereas the first 150 years of books like this focused on character, principles, and values, as in Benjamin Franklin's autobiography, for example, there was a shift from around 1940 to 1990, where the focus had changed from values to things like the power of positive thinking or self-esteem. And Covey felt that this was a big mistake. Doing the inner work to determine our core values, our defining principles, and then building our life on that foundation saves us from living our lives reactively. We don't have to let the emotional, societal, and circumstantial scripts we've been handed dictate how we behave. Covey wrote that between stimulus and response, there is a space, a pause, and we have a choice about how we respond. But we are only going to make a proactive rather than a reactive response if we have first done the inner work of knowing our values and practicing them. So what principles are behind forgiveness? What are the foundational values that we need to practice in order to be the kind of person who's developed the muscle groups necessary to receive an apology and forgive? I would say that the two most important principles for forgiveness are generosity and humility. Of course, these two principles appear over and over again, not just in the Bible, 
but in all the major religious traditions of the world and in the great philosophers as well. Generosity is choosing to give better than we get or got. Generosity is giving in general, but emotionally, it's about giving people the benefit of the doubt. Humility is a word that turns a lot of people off today, and, but is actually crucial to a lively faith. Humility is simply right perspective about yourself. It's knowing that there is a God and it's not you. It's refraining from judging others. It's accepting your own fallibility. It's not being a doormat. It's just a deep recognition that you are not better than other people when it comes right down to it. For this reason, humility is essential for racial justice work, for example. Without humility, we are not able to see the privilege that we have enjoyed or to acknowledge that we have benefited from unjust systems or that our success may not have been purely the result of our hard work or our own merits. Grasping, proud, or judgmental people often especially struggle with forgiveness. They are not able to let go of the hurt others have caused them. They are not able to see others and their actions with a more generous eye beyond scorekeeping. Others' mistakes or unkindnesses loom much larger in their vision than their own. For the purposes of this sermon, I want to stick to forgiveness for offenses that do not involve abuse. Forgiveness when one has been the victim of abuse or of assault or a crime is of an order of magnitude greater than the ordinary conflicts and hurts of life. Still, even for these great offenses, some people, usually over a period of many years, are able to come to a place of forgiveness, even if the perpetrator has not asked to be forgiven or denies any wrongdoing. I think these people, the super forgivers we might call them, have come to a place where they've realized that forgiveness is not only about the other person, Forgiveness is also very much for their own healing and wholeness as the wounded party. It can bring healing and freedom and release from the pain of old hurts. It makes the soul robust and resilient. Resilience is a word that is being discussed quite a bit during this time of COVID-19. As all of this goes on and on, how can we become more resilient? How can we make it through this time of terrible anxiety with our physical, mental, and spiritual health intact. As I was reading through the lesson from Genesis today, I thought, Joseph would have been great in the pandemic. Joseph really is the biblical model of resilience. And not surprisingly, he is also a super forgiver. The story of Joseph, which begins in chapter 37 of Genesis, is worth reading straight through. The secret of Joseph's success is that no matter what happens to him, he always responds out of his deepest values. Whether circumstances favor him or disfavor him, he maintains his equilibrium and eventually he prospers. Joseph's core values are family, faith, ingenuity, hard work, and honesty, no matter the cost. He goes from his father's favorite to a slave in Egypt sold by his own brothers, to the right-hand man of a wealthy businessman, Potiphar, 
to prison after being falsely accused of a crime, to the right-hand man of the official in charge of the prison, and ultimately into Pharaoh's service as he correctly interprets Pharaoh's dream, eventually becoming second-in-command of all Egypt. No matter what happens to Joseph, he is faithful to God, honest, and really organized. He has all the seven habits of highly effective people mastered. He lives out of his inner principles, whether times are good or bad. Our lesson for today is really the climax of his whole saga. Here before Joseph stand the very brothers who betrayed him and sold him so long ago. They say, we are here as your slaves. The shoe is on the other foot. Without his help, they will starve in the famine that Joseph has proactively averted for Egypt. This is a setup for a moment of vengeance and rebuke. But Joseph says, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he's doing today. Joseph sees this meeting with his brothers as just another chapter in his life's purpose, in looking beyond his own needs to the needs of others, in administrating and organizing and providing for those in his care, first in Potiphar's company, then in the prison, then in the Egyptian government, and now as the one who will rescue his own people. In June, the New York Times published an article headlined, what makes some people more resilient than others? Looking at why some people are able to come through adversity, not just weathering the storm, but also experiencing growth. There is a set of qualities that are associated with being resilient. And this article describes them as optimism that is also realistic, a moral compass, religious or spiritual beliefs, especially being part of something greater than yourself, cognitive and emotional flexibility, and social connectedness. Reading through this list, I thought, wow, these are all qualities that we try to promote at church. They're all things that we benefit from as a member of Grace Church. A healthy church really is a kind of gymnasium for resilience. So I hope in this time of stress and profound uncertainty that you will carve out some time to reflect on your own core values. What are the principles that undergird your own life? Don't forget the undergirding. Jesus calls us to live from the inside out, to purify our hearts in order that we are able to love ourselves, to love God, and to love our neighbors. And of course, just as Jesus says that we are to forgive not seven, but 77 times, he also defines our neighbors not as everyone on our block, but everyone on our planet. He is expansive in that way. But Jesus also promises that following his rules, his way, is not difficult and ponderous and heavy. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It turns out that when you walk with Jesus, when you train in his gym, the spiritual heavy lifting isn't so heavy after all. In God's name, amen.
Let us affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Prayers of the People We join with other churches around the world in observing these next Sundays as part of the season of creation. Let us pray for the revealing of the reign of God in the world, now and always. Creator of earth, sea, and sky, kindle the fire of your Spirit within us, that we may be bold to heal and defend the earth, and pour your blessing upon all who work for the good of the planet. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Breath of life, receive our thanks for the beauty of our local habitat and all who dwell in it, and grant us the wisdom and will to conserve it. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Source of life, heal and redeem the wounds of your creation and visit the places and people who suffer from our indifference, neglect, and greed. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Lover of all you have made, we thank you for the wondrous diversity of your creatures, and we pray for their well-being. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Author of the Book of Nature, receive our gratitude for places of restoration and healing and continue to bless those places that feed our lives and spirits. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Wise creator whose works are full of mystery, give us wonder and appreciation for your creatures with whom we find ourselves in conflict. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Divine physician, Heal our communities, especially those where neglect, greed, or violence inflict suffering upon people, other creatures, and the land. We pray especially for all those suffering from COVID-19, for all doctors, nurses, and health professionals who care for them. We pray for medical researchers and those working toward a vaccine. We give thanks for those who have offered themselves as participants in vaccine trials. We pray for all creatures, two-legged and four-legged, affected by the wildfires in the West, and for those who are risking their lives to save others. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Comforter of all the earth, sustain the people of this congregation who desire or need your presence and help. We pray for all students, 
in K-12, college and graduate school, and for all teachers, professors, and school administrators. We pray for those who are grieving and those struggling with anxiety, depression, or addiction. We pray for those who are lonely and isolated. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Giver of all good gifts, awaken us daily to our dependence upon your bounty and make us always thankful for the abundance of your blessings. We pray for all those who are blessed with a birthday this week, Liam, Celia, Diane, and Richie. We pray for all who worship and minister at Grace Church, giving thanks especially for the Finance Committee who keep our books, budget, and investments in good order here on earth so that we can focus on storing up treasure in heaven. We give thanks for the tireless work of our vestry and the members of the two tower committees and pray for this week's meeting of the Newton Community Preservation Committee at which our application for preservation funds will be reviewed. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Rock and refuge of all your creatures, receive into everlasting mercy all those who have died, especially Mark Walton, uncle of Chris Walton, and Lydia Dorner, mother-in-law of Claire Dunning. We also remember Mary Townsend. God, giver of life, hear our prayer. Eternal God, the light of all who know you, come and fill our hearts with your love. Help us speak when many keep silent. Help us stand for what is right when many sit in indifference. Increase our faith and charity until your kingdom comes and heaven and earth rejoice in everlasting glory. Through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. 
a prayer for the power of the Spirit among the people of God. God of all power and love, we give thanks for your unfailing presence and the hope you provide in times of uncertainty and loss. Send your Holy Spirit to enkindle in us your holy fire. Revive us to live as Christ's body in the world, a people who pray, worship, learn, break bread, share life, heal neighbors, bear good news, seek justice, rest and grow in the Spirit. Wherever and however we gather, unite us in common prayer and send us in common mission that we and the whole creation might be restored and renewed through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son Jesus Christ our Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you to everyone who contributed to our worship podcast for today. We thank the Grace Church Choir, featuring section leaders Kristen Buabin, Diane Drost, 
Stephen M., and John Yanis. We also thank our music director and organist, Chris Hosfeld. Thank you to our lectors, Jenny Rosser and Rowan Larson, and our lay reader, Harry Rosser. <laughs>